It's time now for Gina Gardner and Friends, the show that shares stories from inspiring people, from a wide range of expert guests, all focused on helping you live a happier, more successful, and fulfilling life. Gina Gardner is a multiple number one international best-selling author, motivational speaker, business coach, and trainer. She's the founder of Genuinely You, and has over 30 years experience of helping people step into their genuine, authentic power, personally and professionally. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. This is a world of possibilities. A world in which people who put their minds to something can really make a difference. My goal is to help the environment. Someday I'll find a cure for cancer. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we believe that aspiring minds can achieve anything. So we dedicate ourselves to making sure everyone has an opportunity to go to college. Each year, we provide more than $150 billion in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about Money for College at studentaid.gov. And now, here's your host, Gina Gardner. Hello there, and welcome to Gina Gardner and Friends. I'm really pleased to be able to introduce to you today, John Attridge. He is an amazing man, as are all of my guests. So, a keynote speaker, a best-selling author, a business thought leader. And very topically, we're going to be discussing today how in business you can increase your profitability by cutting your costs and, and by mitigating you know, all of those spiraling expenses that make life so difficult. So, John, a huge welcome. Thank you very much for joining me today. Gina, it's been uh, it's been my pleasure to be here. After that build up, I'll uh, I'll have to uh, uh, pontificate forward with some <laughs> thoughts and ideas that people can take away and put into practical use. No pressure, no pressure. So tell me, well, tell us all a bit about you and how you come to this place. I mean, how do you become a business thought leader, a keynote speaker, and a best selling author? What's it all about? Well, I certainly didn't set out to be any of those things, um, and I don't think many people do, other, unless you're Elon Musk or, or uh, uh, in that sort of category, which I certainly don't regard myself. But I think it's uh, the experience, Gina. You know, I've uh, founded uh, quite a few businesses. I've sold businesses. I've sold them in trade sales. We've done public flotations, and I've dealt with hundreds of thousands of businesses in you know, literally hundreds of different sectors over a 40-odd year career of being in business and working with business. So it's all the little tidbits of information uh, that you pick up over that uh, time and put it all into one basket, which is what I did with my book. And your book is called? Business Blunders and Bloody Great Ideas. And Someone said, as an Australian, that sounds like a great title that only an Australian could get away with. But uh, I think you're possibly right, but it just encapsulates, you know, how we all in business and in life 
we learn from our blunders if we're sensible, don't we? And so often we don't learn much at all when things are going right. So it's like uh, the times when, you know, as an Australian, I have to like beer. And so, you know, when you're down the pub on a Friday and you're having a chat to the people across the table from you and it's putting the world to right on all the things that you observe as a person, either we're interacting with a business or doing business with another business or doing business as a consumer. And you think, why do they do it that way? Why didn't they just do it the other way? It would have been a whole lot easier. And you put the world to right, as they say. And so a lot of the things in the book are observations and case studies that I've come across as a consumer and as a business owner on the sort of things that you know, I would do if I ran that business because that's that's what I just get uh, carried away with myself and and put myself in the running of the business chair when I'm doing business. It drives my wife mad, even when I'm on holiday. You know, I'll <laughs> I'll be wanting to try and put my two bobs worth in as a suggestion because sometimes the business owners they get too close to the action, and so what they need to do is stand back and have a helicopter view of what's going on, and then you get a better panoramic rather than getting yeah, the wood for the trees scenario. You know, that's interesting because it's really good business sense, but actually it's sense for your life. You know, I was talking to somebody immediately before this program and and they were having issues with uh, with a couple of relationships professionally. And, you know, when we took an opportunity to just take that step back and to look in at what was going on, the perspective shifted and your perspective becomes your reality, doesn't it? So if you're, you've got only got, where's the difference between a caterpillar view where you're grubbing around on the ground and a butterfly view when you can see it from up in the air? Yeah, and, and uh, perhaps I can share a case study and a story because people like stories nowadays. That would be uh, fabulous, thank you. So I was, uh, this was in 2019, and I went to a new venue. I was driving down the road with my wife and uh, two adult children in the back, and I saw this sign up saying, uh, new venue called the Pear on Parley, new management, new venue, and come and try our new pizza oven. So I thought, ah, that's interesting. So I turned the wheel and up the driveway we went, lovely you know, pine trees either side and went on for about half a mile. And we get up to the car park, lovely massive car park, got greeted inside uh, by uh, the, the head of house and said, um, yeah, welcome to the venue. Have you been here before? No. Um, would you like to dine inside or out uh, with the pizza? And it was a lovely day. And we said, oh, we'll, we'll uh, dine outside. So we're sitting outside and you've got everything happening there, the birds singing and the landscape and the lake just down the road. It was a really lovely uh, ambiance. Anyway, we ordered our pizza and uh, uh, had four of us. The meal and with drinks came to like 100 quid. Everybody was happy and we're leaving. And I said to my wife, wow, they've made three of the biggest blunders I've ever seen in all my life. And she said, why? What do you mean? It was great. And I said, yes, it was fantastic. Service was good. The food was good. The ambiance was great. Everything was working. But what were the three things that were missing? Well, the first thing is, to this day, they still haven't got a clue who we are. No. So, So we went into the thing. They didn't get any data capture, no email, no name, no month of birth, no no, no detail at all, all stuff that most people wouldn't mind um, uh, giving a restaurant of this sort of nature. The second thing is that they were completely oblivious to our buying motivation. What made me turn up that driveway today 
not how yeah. did you like the food, which is the dumbest question ever. So they, they didn't understand what motivated me to turn the wheel to the right and come up their driveway. And that could be a number of different things. And, and one of the reasons, if I can just interject there, is that's so important is it enables you to then use that information in terms of your marketing strategy, doesn't it? 100%. Because how do you how do you deliver marketing other than paying money and crossing your fingers? Absolutely. So, and then the third... Sorry? Number three? The third thing is that they never didn't give me an invitation to return. So... Part of the bill was, it was about 100 quid, rough enough. Part of the bill was a 28-pound bottle of Sauvignon Blanc, one of those nice New Zealand Marlboros. It was lovely, and my wife likes them, right? Now, at the wholesaler, that's probably cost them four or five quid tops. And so, you know, uh, but it, they charged out 28 quid. Now, if they had my month of birth and the reason why I went up the driveway today they could give me an offer saying, John, you know, you're born in June. So, and they could send these out in May. What, what are you doing for your birthday? Bring yeah. two people with you and I'll give you a bottle of that nice Sauvignon Blanc that you liked. Now, to me as the customer, that's a 28% discount. So yeah. I'm happy. That's motivating. But to them, it only costs 5%, five quid. So, and, and they've, they've sent me the invitation. Now, if they did that to everybody that came up their driveway, then that would increase the turnover. It's not going to turn people away, is it? No, not at all. Not at yeah. all. Now, if they understood the motivation, then they could direct their marketing at the stuff that my motivation was focused on. So if I liked the pizza oven, they would put the pizza oven on all their marketing literature. Because yeah. if, that, if that caused 32% of the people to come up the driveway, well, then why not include that in your marketing collateral? So there's just a silly example, Gina, and I've not been back. I know COVID's got in the road in the middle of it. Yeah. I have not been back to that place, and for no good reason, no. Um, since July uh, 2019. So, and they, to, to this day, they still haven't got a clue who I am and they can't market to me. So mm. there's just a silly example of the, you know, and how much would that cost that restaurant or that facility to implement that simple strategy, do you think? Very little, if anything. A bit of time. And how much is that worth if you're not fully uh, utilising? Well, if you think about people return customers, the hardest thing is to get new customers, isn't it? Once you've got new customers, it's making them regular customers that makes the difference to your business. So, so, and, and I'd, I'd ask people in the audience, you know, think back, when was the last time that you went to a restaurant or an eating facility for the first time and they know any of those things that I just discussed? And if you're a restaurant owner, and actually other businesses this works very well for too, um, are you collecting data? And then having collected it, what are you doing with it? Because in my experience, and I work with businesses too, as you know, they very often say, yeah, we collect all of the data, and then you say, and, and they look at you quite blankly. Now, we're going to have to go for a short break. We're going to continue this discussion uh, after the break. So please don't go away. See you in a minute. Why? 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 Why not? Explain it with Kid Reasons. Kid Reasons are short, positive statements that tell a child what may happen because of their behavior. Okay, playtime's over. It's time to put your toys away so we can read a story. Why? Because if you put them away now, 
then you'll get more time to play with them tomorrow. Time to put on your jacket, buddy. Why? So you can stay dry and warm. For a quick look at kid reasons, go to boystown.org parenting. You'll find it in the guides section. But that's not all we can help you with. You'll find easy-to-use advice on everything from potty training to social skills and discipline. Time to buckle up, buddy. Why? Why? To keep you safe. Why? Because I love you. Visit boystown.org parenting for parenting tips, tricks, and experts. With the timeless protection of ADT, it's safe to say... Hey, Google, unlock the front door. When you've helped save more lives than any other home security brand, it's safe to say... There's a reason millions of people trust ADT to help protect what matters most. Welcome back. I'm talking to my guest, John Attridge, who is a, a great expert in helping businesses um, make success and maintain success and profitability. We were talking before um, the break about uh, one simple case study, and I'm sure you've got many, where they had fundamentally missed three opportunities that could make the difference between business success in the long term or businesses just managing to survive or even going out of business. And I know that you have written your book. Give us the title again, because I think it's wonderful. It's called Business Blunders and Bloody Great Ideas. It's the story, Gina, of why 50% of people in business survive despite their best efforts not to and the other half fail. Okay. That's a pretty stark statistic, isn't it? 50% of businesses fail within the first five years is my understanding. At least. Um, And we're living in a time where post-pandemic, many people have decided not to go back into employment, but to actually set up their own business. And it seems to me to make absolute sense that you set it up right in the first instance. Now, before the show, we were talking about, you know, managing expenses and dealing with, you know, what we are certainly in the UK, dealing with huge inflation. What would your advice be to, uh, uh, well, not only new businesses, but businesses in general about managing the challenge of cash flow? And and that's uh, that's a critical thing, Gina, and and I'm sure I don't have the statistic on it, but I'm sure that contributes significantly to the 50% of failures, um, which is a sad statistic. So a lot of the one little tip that I'd offer for people that you probably won't find anywhere else is to capture and monetize the spare capacity opportunity in any business. Now, I'll try and put that in a framework so people understand what that might look like. Most of the listeners I'm thinking are going to be running a service or time-based business. So they're going to be selling their time for money and they're a one, two, three person operation there. And that's the vast majority of the landscape globally nowadays. So if you're a plumber and you choose that you can work for 40 hours every week and you charge a hundred pounds an hour for the sake of the math, then you've got an opportunity to earn £4,000 in the course of any given week. Yep. Now, if you multiply that during the number of weeks that you want to work in a year, that'll give an X amount of possible revenue, probably around 200 grand for rough numbers. Now, if you look on your uh, tax return last year and it told you that your income was 100 grand, that tells me that you've got 50% 
or 100 grand's worth of opportunity that you didn't monetize last year. Okay. So if you can work that formula through and it applies to any, any particular business. So if you were busy every, every hour of every day of every week that you wanted to work, what would that look like? Yes. Compared to what was reality last year. Okay. The difference is spare capacity. And that is the ability to take on more revenue without increasing fixed cost in your business. So our plumber uh, could increase the number of hours uh, without employing more staff or moving to a bigger premises to capture and monetize. So the th there's a few strategies surrounding if I could capture some of that revenue without yeah. increasing the fixed cost of operating the business, I'd have some bonus. I'd have the existing revenue that I've got in my traditional bank account. Yeah but I'd also have a pot of money in some other form. So that's, that's the, the, the opportunity. How do people do that? Because I think many people who would be listening to this would say, well, but I'm not working all the hours that God sends. Um, how can I actually make, um, make my time more profitable? How can I um, capitalise on that spare capacity? Because don't feel I have any. Uh, well, if you do the measurement, it'll tell you the truth. Okay. So, so whether you do or whether you don't, you think you're busy, but if it's monetized and if it's not monetized, then what did you do with those hours? So I that's, that's a really good point because one of the things I, I've, I've noticed with the businesses that I've worked with is that we've really increased profitability by making a real distinction between being busy and being productive. Well, and revenue producing. You know, you can Absolutely. be busy, but is it revenue producing? Yes. So, so, you know, some silly things. So let's say that, again, you're this plumber and you decided to do, an, you, had, you had an hour break in your day and you gave an hour of plumbing expertise to the local charity. Now, you're in there fixing someone's uh, plumbing and, and you're feeling good and the, you're giving your time to the charity and then all of a sudden, Mrs. Smith or Mr. Jones goes and looks at you and says, oh, who's that plumber that's working on the charity? Oh, it's me. Oh, I want my plumbing done too. Whereas if you were sitting it back in your garden shed or wherever you work from, Mr. Smith or Mrs. Jones can't see you doing that. Therefore, there's no exposure. So there's one stupid example. Okay. Now, do you accept cryptocurrency? Everybody goes, oh, what happens if cryptocurrency goes to nothing and it's not worth anything? I'd argue, what's your unsold time worth right now? Okay. So even if you accepted some cryptocurrency, you'd have a new customer. Right. If you did good work, they could tell their friends. Yes. And, and you were doing plumbing for them, not all the other plumbers, so you're cutting out a competitor. Imagine a world, Gina, where you could cut out half your competitors. What would that look like if you ran a widget business? I don't care what business. I think many businesses would see that as something really quite magical. And then where we play, Gina, is in the digital trade credit space. That's how I've existed as a business for 30 odd years. So we convert a spare hour into a digital trade credit, which is held in a bank-like account that you then go and use to buy goods and services. So if you think that process I'm gonna, through. If, I'm going to stop you because this is certainly an unfamiliar principle to me and I'm sure to many people who were listening. Talk us through what that actually means. Okay, so you've got the plumber again. Instead of uh, sitting in their garden shed, they come and do some work for someone in my community that owns a business. They get 100 digital trade credits for fixing someone's toilet. Okay. Now, they then go and use that digital trade credit to pay for a dinner. 
at that restaurant that I was talking about before. Yes. So instead of having to pay £100 in pounds sterling, you've done £100 worth of work, you've captured it in a monetary unit to then go and have the, the, the nice dinner with the family. So what was, what was the cost to convert that extra hour that you did that you would have been sitting in your garden shed? Nothing. It's a bit of time going from A to B and you've now got 100 somethings that you can go and spend what would have been £100 sterling. So there's a cash saving tip and at the same time getting some marketing because if you did some good work as the plumber for people in my community, then they can tell their friends and recommend you. And if you're sitting in your garden shed, none of that happens. So as I see it, it's in a sense bartering your your extra time, the time when you're not being productive in a way that you can then have the flexibility of using other people's expertise and experience to support you, your business and your lifestyle. And, and in this case, yes, if you wanted to go and do the restaurants plumbing, that would be a trade, a swap, a contra, a barter, whatever you want to call yeah. it, because each other had what each other wanted at the same time for the yeah. same value. Where I sit is if that doesn't exist or any of those parts don't exist, they can sell their plumbing services to the widget maker and go and buy restaurant food. So you can, you can, so uh, you don't have to have stuck. You instead of it being bartering one on one, that you are bartering with a whole plethora of other businesses. Correct. It's great stuff. We've got to go for another break. When we come back, we, I'd be really grateful for you to share some of your pearls of wisdom that might help people deal with it specifically with inflation. So don't go away. We'll be back in a moment. Hey world, I have a quick message. It's about safe driving. All right, let's go. Anytime you're driving, have the seatbelt buckle tight, both hands on the wheel and your phone out of sight. We're not in your hand trying to text somebody back because if you do, your car might get smacked. The moral of the story, just put your phone down. The people on the road will stay safe and sound. Put your phone down, put your phone down. People on the road will stay safe and sound, yeah. No matter who we are or where we come from, we all experience difficulties in life. Military veterans know that sometimes it takes strength and determination to make it through. Whether it's physical challenges or struggles on the inside, it takes strength to ask for help when you need it. Learn how veterans like us have reached out for help and hear stories of strength and recovery at maketheconnection.net. So, John, we live in a time where inflation, particularly in the UK, is running at about 10%. And that's a huge concern to most businesses. What wisdom have you got to share to help people deal with inflation? That's uh, what a can of worms that is. And, uh, you know, you hear people uh, going on strike for more pay. And you think, okay, if I uh, get more pay, what will that cause the provider of the person that you work for to do? They'll want to put their prices up to, to cover the extra staff cost. So it, then you end up with a dog chasing its tail. It goes round and round and round, and you end up with uh, spiralling inflation. At the end of that trail, you will end up in some form of depression of the economy. This is economic cycles here. And this is what we're heading for now, possibly a depression. So it could be even worse than the 2008 situation for those that remember that because we have uh, spiralling inflation on top of the uh, other economic factors that are going on in the world today. So that would lead to unemployment. So we'd, we enjoyed lovely employment rates right now. Yeah. And um, 
Brexit has been part of that. You know, it's created empl strong employment. It, depending, doesn't matter which side of the fence that you're talking about. That's one positive impact that I think that's had something to do with. But on the flip of that, if we start now losing people out of and people are getting laid off, then that will cause uh, you know, bigger concerns other than what we have already. So how can we break that cycle? So as a business owner, how do you contain prices? So you know, you'd like to keep the best possible price. So can you run more efficiently? Are there any economies of scale that you can implement into your business? to deliver the same outcome, but without costing you so much more per unit. Yeah, can you talk to staff, going back to my example before, and pay them with a few digital trade credits in addition instead of a pay rise? They then can still go and spend them on things that they would like to have, like going out to a meal or buying presents or going on holiday or some of the nice things that every person has. Uh, can you negotiate with your um, person that you're renting premises off at the moment to get a either all or part of the deal in part of things that you can do a what you are calling a trade or a swap or an exchange uh, with people? So are there any opportunities? Can you downright ask? My, I drive my wife crazy, particularly with small to medium-sized businesses because you they're empowered. So if, I, if something's on the shelf and it's 20 quid, you know, I'll always ask, what's the best price? Yeah. So, you know, that's a direct saving. Now, I don't recommend discounting, but it's amazing the amount of times if you ask, you might not get. What's the worst that can happen? Is that say people, no. people say no. So, but if you don't ask, you'll never get. Putting your prices up is, is a thing, but getting paid what you're worth is another measurement. You know, if you think at the moment, people get scared of putting your price up, leaving aside the other issues, uh, but I've worked with many uh, companies where they've put their price up and a couple of things happen. What would you think to, uh, well, I've got the statistics on bad customers. Yes. What's one of the traits, do you think, of a bad customer? Don't pay. They don't pay or they try and chip you on price all the time. Or they slurp up so much of your time and attention that you could so much more easily spend with a great customer who pays, who's easy to work with, um, and you can only use that time and expertise once. So what, what I found, Gina, 100% is by putting your prices up and getting paid what you're worth, generally, not because of inflation, but because that you're getting now paid what you work, that one of the byproducts of that is that you will lose a disproportionate amount of bad customers because the bad customer is only buying on price. And if they're only buying on price, they'll only buy from you until you have a low price, until your competitor catches up, and then they'll go buy from them. And it gets worse. So yeah. bad customers tell other bad customers and birds of a feather flock together and then you end up getting referrals to other bad customers. So you know, it's really interesting how often I've said to, um, to companies, and it's lovely to have that reinforcement, that, you know, that the, the, often the response is, I'll cut my prices, I'll undercut my competitors. And my belief is that in doing that, you cut your own throat. It might take a little time and that might be a long, slow day. But ultimately, if you're going to raise your prices, then you've got to give value. And that's something that you're very clear about. You've got to give the value. And you've got to be giving good service 
and being able to stand up and say, this is worth what I'm charging. And, and go back to the restaurant example I used earlier in the program. And, you know, the value to the restaurant of getting me back as a customer was worth a lot more money because the value of the item that they were giving away was a perceived value for me of 28 pounds, but it only cost to them a five. And so I'm a happy customer because I'm getting better value. They're protecting their cash flow because cash flow is like a river, Gina. Yes. You've either got to make it rain upstream or build a bigger dam to stop the water getting downstream. Yeah. So in that example, I'm getting more customers because of my marketing effort, which increases cash flow. Absolutely. And by decreasing prices, by trading prices or, you know, converting my unsold hours, I'm building a bigger dam to stop the existing cash running out of my business. It's absolutely great advice. Thank you, John. Where can people get hold of you? Uh, a few best ways, uh, just either via the show or through my website, which is uh, all the W's.bbxuk.com. So bbx.uk. Now bbxuk.com. Thank you very much. And thank you for joining us on the show. And thank you as listeners for joining us on the show. Remember that for every 100 people who listen, we donate a meal. Um, and the numbers are, are growing. So please spread the word. Um, we'd love to see you um, uh, come and join us on each show. If you'd like to know more about what I do or like to tell us what you'd like to see in the show or you have a, a question, then please email me at Gina at genuinely-you.com. Take care and please join us on the next show. Bye-bye now. Thanks for listening to Gina Gardner and Friends, the show that helps you live a happier, more successful, and fulfilling life. To learn more about Gina Gardner, go to genuinely-you.com. If you would like to work with Gina or book her as a speaker, email her at gina at genuinely-you.com.